try this again. Okay, good morning, First Baptist. How are y'all this morning? All right. If you'll get to your feet, we'll stand and worship our Lord this morning.
good morning. This morning, it's a great day. We have seven people that are going to be getting baptized. I will have four in this service. That's right. Clap for that. We have four in this service, two in the next, and then one in the 11 o'clock service. So it'll be an exciting day. Baptism is simply a picture of what's taken place in their heart when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. You see, they're identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus out of the grave. That's why we baptize by immersion to identify with what took place in the life of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. And so this morning, we're going to begin with Johnny Farrell. And so uh, Johnny is the, the son of Gina Bryan, and Johnny is a fifth grader. And uh, he talked with his mom at home and then came and, and met with Dr. Cox and so and, and, and decided there to pray and receive Jesus. And so uh, we're excited about that. If you're friends or family of Johnny's, will you please stand in his honor? Perfect. Thank you. Johnny, will you confess in front of your family and friends that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Awesome. It's upon your confession, my friend, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, we have Belle White. Belle's a seventh grader. And Belle, her family, they moved from Colorado a couple of years ago here, about a year and a half now you've been here, something like that. And uh, so about two years ago, before she moved, she uh, had accepted Christ and had, you know, had talked with her parents and, and placed her faith in Jesus. And then uh, with the pandemic and everything going on, Colorado was a little slower in Tennessee, so they, they still weren't meeting in person. So she didn't have the chance before moving here to be baptized. And so... Uh, we're excited to have the opportunity to do that. And so if you're, uh, uh, Belle's the daughter of Jeff and Sarah White. And so if your family or friends uh, of Sarah's, will you please, or of Belle's, will you please stand in her honor? Thank you. Belle, I'm going to ask you the same question. Will you confess in front of your family and friends here that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Awesome. It's upon your confession that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on in. Next, we have Dax Carney. And Dax uh, is a sixth grader. And this past summer at camp, Centra uh, Kid Camp, actually. Um, one night after the, the, the message, he came, and I had the privilege of being a, a, a counselor or a chaperone on that trip with the young guys. And, and uh, he came and, and said, man, I've got a lot of questions and just been thinking about this. And the message kind of sp spurred this on. And, and, and right there that night, we talked through the plan of salvation and what it meant to follow uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and he committed his life to Christ right there at camp. Amen? And so... Uh, uh, we're excited that, that he's come forward now, and so Dax is the son of, of Josh and Nicole Carney, and Dax is a, is a sixth grader and, and uh, plays sports and different things, and so if you're friends of, of Dax's, will you please stand in his honor? Thank you very much. 
decks in front of your family and friends, will you confess Jesus is Lord? Awesome. In front of, uh, upon your confession, Dax, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And next, we have Miles McIntosh. And so Miles has a very similar story. In fact, it was a pretty uh, incredible night. He was at Center Kid this past summer, and and uh, and so one by one, all I had four boys pray to receive Christ that night, and they each came individually over and said, "Hey, can we, can we talk for a minute?" And later, I found I don't think any of them knew that they, you know, they were all kind of being secretive, a little private about it, and I don't think any of them knew that they had also, you know, done the same thing what their friends had done. And so it was a really cool night, and. Um, and so I, I'm proud of Miles. And so Miles is the son of Justin and Cora McIntosh. He's also a sixth grader and uh, involved in different sports. And so if you're a friend of Miles, will you please uh, stand in his honor? Perfect. Miles, in front of your family and friends here, will you confess Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Awesome. Miles, upon your confession, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you. Let's continue to worship. What a great way to start our service this morning. Uh, welcome to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here. We're grateful for Sarah Anderson and team for leading us in worship. Todd Green, our worship pastor, is on vacation. So thank you guys for filling in. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. And one of the ways that we do that is through the guest card that's located in front of you there in the pew rack. If you could take one of those out and fill it out for us. And then after the season or after the service, take it to the uh, Welcome Center there. Or don't wait that long. No, let's, let's do this today. Uh, but go by the Welcome Center. And uh, we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our service today. I'm going to take a moment to pray and we're going to continue to worship together. Uh, Father, thank you so much uh, for this moment that we have to witness people moving from death to life, God. And uh, Lord, you're not done, and you're going to continue to do that today. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what an awesome song to follow the baptism. We're going to be doing a new one this morning. It's called Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death. If you're familiar with the Gettys or Matt Boswell or Matt, Papa, it's one that they have done. It's, we, we refer to it in the music world as a neo-hymn because it's a new hymn. Um, so it still follows the traditional style of a traditional hymn, but it's new lyrics and a new sound. So we hope that you'll just stand with us, and, and once you got it along, once you got it, you can sing along. alone, Christ alone, what is our only confidence? 
that our souls to him belong who holds our days within his hand what comes apart from his command and what will keep us to the end the love of christ in which we stand oh sing troubled soul God is good God is good where is his grace and goodness known in our great redeemer's blood who holds our faith when fears arise who stands above the stormy trial who sends the waves that bring nigh unto the shore the rock of Christ oh sing hallelujah our Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him, there we will rise to meet the Lord, then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy. When Christ our stars forevermore. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope and life and death. Oh, sing hallelujah, 
nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of part of this. Um, we're going to do this next one as a prayer over you all. Like I said earlier in the service, the name of Jesus is a strong tower that we run to to feel safe. And so um, I know there's probably people in this room that you've spent this week not knowing what to pray. And sometimes all we have to start by praying is just lifting up the name of Jesus. And so the team and I, we're going to, we're just going to sing this over you this morning. And if you want to lift up your hands as a way to receive it, that's, that's your call. But I just, I want you to receive this in your hearts this morning. Jesus over you in your hurting in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do in desperation I'll seek heaven and pray this for you I pray for your healing circumstances would change Circumstances will change. 
Father, we just declare your name this morning. We lift it up high, God. We lift it up high over all of our circumstances. Lord, I pray that this act of worship was pleasing to you, God, and I pray that you just continue to be with us, to be with us as we worship through your word. And it's your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, uh, Sarah and worship leaders for leading us. And what a great way to uh, share in baptism. Wasn't that great this morning? We praise God for those who are baptized, amen, and uh, I want to say we'll do it again September 11th, as you saw people baptized today, maybe it spoke to you, you've never declared the name of Jesus in confession in front of folks, and, and God is stirring in your heart to do that, and I want to challenge you to consider that. You can come by the Welcome Center after the service today and talk to me. Uh, you can come to our introductions class on Wednesday night and, and join our church, fill out a membership form there. In our service today, we'll have a song at the end of this service where you can walk forward and declare your faith here and be baptized. If you're watching online with us, we're glad that you're here. You can text me at 931-808-7975 is my cell phone number, 931-808-7975. And I'd be glad to talk with you about how you can take that next step in discipleship to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I'm sharing a series of sermons on the book of Amos. We're about three weeks into this Old Testament prophet, and the theme of this book is the lion has roared, who will not fear? That's a quote from uh, Amos 3.8, verse that we looked at last week. God compares Amos, uh, or excuse me, Amos compares God to a roaring lion, and uh, he is saying that that ought to strike some fear into us, a 
a healthy fear of God's judgment, an awe and a reverence of God. And so the book of Amos is declaring the judgment of God upon his people, and it's to seek to share with us that healthy awe and respect for him. And today we're going to look at, in a little bit of chapter 4 and mainly in chapter 5, to see the things that God loves and the things that God hates. If we're going to respect God, if we're going to honor Him, it'd be good for us to know what does God love and what does God hate. Well, we're going to see today that God loves integrity. He loves honesty. He loves righteousness. He loves uh, compassion for the poor and justice in the courts. God loves integrity. And we're going to see today that God hates empty religion that does not produce righteousness. We're going to see that the people of Israel were going to church. They were worshiping as we are here today, but their worship was not transforming their lives the rest of the week. They had sort of compartmentalized religion as only a day of worship thing, and God hates that kind of inconsistency and he loves when our faith and our worship and our religion transforms us the other days of the week. That's what we're going to see today. Let's look at it beginning in Amos chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. We're going to pick up a couple of verses there before we go to chapter 5. Amos 4, verse 4, it's, God says, Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. So Bethel and Gilgal were two places of worship, two places they went to church in the northern kingdom of Israel. Both of them had a history of worship in the, the people of God. Bethel, the, the patriarchs, jo, uh, Jacob worshipped there. This is where Samuel judged from. Gilgal, this is where they set up the monument stones when they crossed the Jordan River. Remember they, they set up... Uh, 12 stones when they came across the Jordan. God told them to do that. That was at Gilgal. So these were two sacred places of religion, of worship. And they were doing all the worship things right. It says, bring your sacrifices every morning. That was God's command to have a burnt offering every day. They were doing that. Your tithes every three years. So Deuteronomy 24 said, you bring your tithe every year, but the third year you bring an extra tithe uh, for the poor. So they were doing all that stuff, but it wasn't changing their lives. So this verse is sort of a sarcastic verse. If you're going to read this out loud, it needs to sound sarcastic. God's saying, yeah, go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin real big. You know, that's sort of the tone of this. Yeah, keep going to church and keep sinning. It's a sarcastic kind of verse that God is saying there. And it says, so why is God um, not pleased with their worship? Why is he saying sarcastically, keep going to Bethel and sin, go to Gilgal and sin yet more? There's three reasons he's not pleased with their worship there. Number one, they're worshiping in the wrong place. Um, when the, after the death of Solomon, you remember the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel divided, the country divided in two, north and south. Well, God had put his name in Jerusalem in the time of David. That's where he had told them to build the temple. That's where they were to come every year for the Passover and for the other festivals. But Jerusalem was in the southern kingdom. So now you got two countries, and the people in the north 
the king doesn't want his people going back to the south to Jerusalem to worship. They, he would lose some loyalty to him. And so he sets up in Bethel, Jeroboam does, these idols, these golden calves, and says, this is your place of worship now. It's not where God told him to worship. So first of all, it's the wrong place, but also is the wrong attitude. Verse 5 says, bring leavened bread as a thank offering. Brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the sovereign Lord. They were proud of their religion and that they were very pious, righteous people because they were bringing the right sacrifices and bringing even free will offerings, not even required offerings. We've gone way beyond that. We're bringing free will offerings, you know. And, and, but they were, they were proud of that, had the wrong attitude. You can do the right thing with the wrong attitude, wrong spirit. But the main reason God is not happy with their worship, that we're going to see all in chapter 5, the third reason, the main reason he's not happy is because it's not changing their lives the rest of the week. There's not righteousness. So let's go to chapter 5 and see that. Amos chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. What does God want them to do? What does he tell them to seek? Look at verse 4. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not seek Gilgal. Don't journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. He calls them to a personal relationship with him. You know, you know what this is really about? It's not just going to a place. Now, I'm glad you come to this place. It was not wrong that they were offering tithes. It was not wrong that they were offering sacrifices. Going right. They were doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing by coming to church. This is what God wants you to do. But God wants this to change your life. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. So he's saying, seek me and live. Do you know Jesus in a personal way? Is your religion just a routine, just a place you go? It's got to be more than a place you go. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you sought a personal relationship with God? That's what it's really about. Seek me and live. Again in verse 6, seek the Lord and live or he'll sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them and Bethel will have no one to quench it. He says in verse 7, there are those who turn justice, that was the key word, into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. And so listen to verse 8 to the description of God. This ought to put some of the fear of the Lord in us. This ought to cause us to, to think of him like Orion who roars. Verse 8, he who made the Pleiades and Orion who turns midnight into dawn and darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. With blinding flash, he destroys the stronghold and brings the fortified city to ruin. Wow, God is the one who put the constellations in the sky. That's what Orion is. He is the one who... who um, changes night to day. He's the one who controls the weather. He's the great God, and with blinding flash, he can destroy the strongholds. So, in verses 10 and following, God lists the things that he's not happy about, that he hates. And these are things related to honesty, integrity, and justice in daily life. Verse 10, there are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court. God wants the court system to be fair and just and detest the one who tells the truth god wants people to tell the truth verse 11 you levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain so they were oppressing the poor there was unfair taxation structures and they were taking advantage of poor people 
And so he says in verse 11, Therefore, though you've built stone mansions, you'll not live in them. You've, you've been dishonest in your business dealings. You've oppressed the poor, and you have a, acquired some affluence because of that, and a high standard of living, and I'm going to take it away from you. You've built stone mansions that you won't live in. And he says, though you've planted lush vineyards, you'll not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes. God hates people who take bribes or oppress the innocent and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. There's that word again, justice, and God hates those who deprive the poor of justice in the courts. So do you see the, the emphasis here? So let's just take a few moments and try to apply these verses to our lives. Uh, if God cares so much about integrity, honesty, righteousness, fairness, do those things characterize your life Monday through Saturday? Are those true of your business dealings? I want you to just think about your life and I want to have a time where the Holy Spirit can talk to you. Um, are you. Are you a person of honesty and integrity at work? Do you steal from your employer? Uh, do you shoplift? You know, U.S. government statistics say one out of 11 shoppers shoplift. Do you, do you uh, lie on your resume or in an interview to get a job? I read uh, a story some time ago of uh, New Jersey, state of New Jersey was going to hire electricians. And so they put in out an ad for electricians. They had so many applicants, they're going to have to narrow it down. So in the interviews, they asked them, they said, we're looking for people who have um, some experience working with Sontag conductors. Uh, and we want electricians who have experience and have worked with Sontag conductors. And 125 of those applicants said, yeah, I have experience working with Sontag conductors, but there's no such thing as a Sontag conductor. They made that up to, to winter the pool down a little bit, but 125 of them said, yep, I've got experience working with those Sontag conductors. Let me talk to you, those of you who are in school, school starting back, some of you going to college, high school, graduate school. Are you honest at school? Does your life there reflect integrity that you belong to Jesus Christ? At Vanderbilt University, they did it several years ago. I haven't been there in a while. I don't, I don't know. If, I suppose they still do. They have all freshmen sign an honor code uh, of the commitment to integrity, not to cheat during their four years or whatever of school. And they post those names in the Surratt Student Center. And the Surratt Student Center was named after a mathematics professor named Madison Surratt. And uh, the quote from his classes is there by the signatures of these freshmen to integrity. And here's what he would say in his uh, classes before he gave an exam. He would say, today you're going to take two exams. One in integrity and one in trigonometry. If you have to fail one of them, fail trigonometry. He said there are a lot of good people in the world who can't pass trigonometry. There are no good people in the world who can't pass integrity. Does that characterize your life? What about in sports? Are, are you a person of integrity and honesty in sports? I remember uh, reading of... Uh, Tim Shutt, who was crew chief in the NASCAR circuit for uh, uh, 
Mike McLaughlin, 2001, when he ran in the NASCAR circuit. And Shutt uh, said that there was a part on the cars that would make them go faster. And he said it was illegal, but everybody was putting it on their cars. But he, McLaughlin and Shutt were raced for Joe Gibbs, the owner of their team. And Joe Gibbs is a Christian, and he didn't want any cheating. And Shutt said, he told McLaughlin, what are we going to do? He said, everybody's doing this. We're going to be at a disadvantage if we don't do it. And McLaughlin said, well, let's see how we run in practice this morning. And uh, if we don't keep up, you put it on my car. And uh, he said there were probably 30 other teams that were doing this. So after practice that morning, he got down on the creeper under the car, and he said, I had the part, and I was about to put it on, and Tim Shutt had just become a Christian. He'd just given his life to Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm lying on that creeper under the car, and the verse comes into my mind, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and his what? His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you as well. And Shutt said, I was halfway putting it on. I took it off rolled out from under the car. We ran the race without it, and they won Talladega in 2001. Do you seek righteousness? These verses call us to, to, to be fair with people. If you're in a position of power, if you're an employer, are you fair to your employees? And if you're in a position in the courts or in law enforcement or some other position of power, are you conscious of how you treat those who are disenfranchised and powerless? Because these verses say that God cares a great deal about how those in positions of legal power treat those who are disenfranchised or who, who don't have power. Is there that fairness in the way you deal with other people? Is God saying anything to you about the consistency of your life. You're here on Sunday morning. This is where you ought to be. This must transform our lives the rest of the week. So if there's any inconsistency there, if there's any lack of integrity or honesty or justice there, what do you do? Well, look at verse 14. Earlier he said, in regard to your worship, seek me and live. You need a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now he says in verse 14, seek good, not evil, that you may live, that the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh, Elohim, Sabaoth, will have mercy on the remnant of Judah, Joseph. So if there's any inconsistency in your life, if God's convicting you of cheating and lying and of stealing and not being fair to people, then what you do, you come to repentance. You seek good, not evil. And the good news is that we learn from the New Testament that through the grace of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus has already died for your cheating and your lying and your stealing and your shoplifting and your lack of integrity he's already died for that and paid the price for that and if you'll humble yourself and put your faith in him then his punishment will cover your sin and you can be forgiven you can be free from guilt of any lack of integrity in your life today 
Freedom from guilt is instantaneous. Now, there may still need to be some restitution if you have monetarily or tangibly defrauded or hurt somebody else and you know specifically what that is, then the Bible will tell you that from repentance should be restitution. You need to go to them and make that up monetarily or whatever way it is. But guilt can be forgiven instantly. And you can be right with God instantly if you'll seek Him and seek good and live. What a wonderful offer that God gives to us. But if we don't do that, it says in verse 16, Therefore this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty says, There will be wailing in all the streets and cries of anguish in every public square, and the farmers will be summoned to weep and the mourners to wail, and they'll be wailing in all the vineyards, for I will pass through your midst says the Lord. You remember in the Exodus, he passed over them because the blood was on their doorpost. You remember that? But he's saying now, I'm not going to pass over you. I'm going to pass through you in judgment if you don't repent. And I wonder, I think there's a real crisis of integrity in our, our nation today. I, I think that there is a lack of trust in so many of those in power, isn't there? We don't trust we don't trust politicians, we don't trust the media, we don't trust the Department of Justice and the FBI and police, and, and, and there's just a, a great lack of trust there, and there needs to be a revival of integrity in our nation to restore that trust. Abraham Lincoln, you know what his nickname was? Honest Abe. That was his nickname. Can you think of a of a a leading figure or a politician today that you want to give the nickname Honest Blank to. Can you? Maybe you can. I don't, I don't but, but don't you think there's a crisis of integrity and honesty in our culture? Would God be saying something like this to us? Stephen Covey said, in the first 150 years of our nation's history, leadership books and writings all emphasized character and integrity. And he said in the last 75 years, all leadership writing and websites emphasize techniques and skills and we've lost that character is essential to leadership and God is saying if there is not character and integrity I'm gonna pass through you in judgment and they were sort of uh, I think looking forward to the day of the Lord because they thought the day of the Lord that's the Old Testament name for judgment day they thought it would be a judgment on all their enemies again they were very proud in their worship we got God we we go to church, and he's going to judge all these other nations around us. Remember how we started out in chapters 1 and 2? So here's what God says to them. Woe to you, verse 18, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Do, why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It'll be as though a man fled from a lion. There's our lion again. You get it all through, Amos. Fled from a lion only to meet a bear. That's not good, is it? You're running from a lion. Ah, whew, no lion. You're a bear. It could be the bear has roared as well here. It, it will be as though uh, he entered his house and rested his hand on a wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch black without a ray of brightness? God's saying you, you should not have a false sense of security because you go to church that you're free from judgment because if you go to church, that's wonderful, but it needs to transform your life the rest of the time. And if it doesn't, then the day of the Lord will not be a day of brightness for you. It'll be a day of darkness. So, we come to the conclusion, verses 21 through 24, he sums up what he said, what I've tried to say, what he hates and what he loves, and he says God hates empty religion. Listen to it in verse 21. I hate 
I despise your religious festivals. Man, that just surprises us, doesn't it? God's the one who commanded them to go to the Passover every year. He commanded in the Bible the religious festivals. This was his idea. He wants them to go to the religious festivals. But now he hates them because it's not transforming their lives and they're hypocritical. So he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a, it's a stench to me. It stinks when you go to church, he said, because it's not changing you. In verse 22, even though you bring me burnt offerings, grain offerings, I'll not accept them. You're doing the form right, but your hearts are not right, and there's not repentance there, so I'm not going to accept your offerings. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away, verse 23, with the noise of your songs. I'll not listen to the music of your harps. God says, uh, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that praise and worship singing of yours because it, it doesn't change your lives. You ever hear Todd pray? One of Todd's favorite prayers, our worship pastor, he says, Lord, we pray that our worship today will put a smile on your face. You remember, ever hear him pray that? That's a good prayer. Pray that this will please you. This verse says, it doesn't always put a smile on God's face. That's what it says. It says, if it doesn't change your life, it doesn't put a smile on his face. He said, away with the noise of your songs. I'll not listen to the music of your harps. Here's the other side of it. God wants justice to roll on like a river, verse 24. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. The streams of Israel often dry up in the, in the dry season, in the wadis. But there are some streams that are perennial, that roll on throughout the dry, through thick and thin. God says, I want your justice to be like that. Not intermittent, not when it's convenient, not sometimes, but may justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. This is the most famous verse in, in Amos. This verse, theological foundation, the American Civil Rights Movement. Martin Luther King, Jr., in Birmingham jail, wrote the famous piece, A Letter from a Birmingham Jail, about his imprisonment there. He quoted this verse. A few months later, in August 1963, when he gave his speech from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, I Have a Dream, he ended his speech near the end of it with this verse, Let justice roll on like a river righteousness, like a never-failing stream. If you go to Montgomery, Alabama, the National Civil Rights Museum has a black stone wall with water pouring over that wall and this verse there, let justice roll down like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And this verse, the theological foundation for that civil rights movement, this is what God wants, it's what he loves in our lives, in America. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Would you pray with me? Oh God, some convicting words from Amos. We, we hear the lion roar here. And God, we don't want you to say some of these things about our nation. We don't want you to say some of these things about our individual lives. So Lord, if there's any lack of integrity in our lives, if your Holy Spirit has spoken to us about cheating on our taxes or or being dishonest with our employer, or cheating in school, or in sports, or uh, if we've misused power and authority as an employer or a boss that we have, 
if we have not been fair even to those people, if we have taken bribes in any way, God, if, you've, if you're saying anything to us here today, then we want to seek you and live. We want to seek good, not evil. We repent now. We turn from that. Give us guidance if there's any restitution we need to make. Lord, thank you that by the blood of Jesus, your only son, even the worst of our cheating, lying, stealing, shoplifting can be instantly forgiven and that guilt gone right now. Help us to turn from any patterns of wrongdoing. And Lord, we know we can't do this. It's not just a reform movement. We've got to have you. We seek you. And so more than anything, we want you. We don't want just form, just formality, just going through the motions. We want you. And we want a personal relationship with you through Jesus, your son. And so we draw near to you and confess our sin, put our faith in you, that we may live and flourish in this land and forevermore. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing a song of public invitation. And if you want to come forward to pray, to join our church, to confess Christ as Savior and get ready for baptism, whatever God's speaking to you, this is just a time to respond to him. Maybe it's just where you stand that you need to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit's saying for, to you. This is a time to do that. There in the stillness right from the start You are the ember that lit the dark Over the heavens and galaxies God, you were there singing over me There in the silence and mystery You were the constant that stayed with me Never a moment that you withdrew God, you were there when I needed you Oh, my soul sings You are faithful You are faithful to the end Let my heart sing Because you know me And you love me To the end Into the shadows I wandered off You were the shepherd that sought my heart Where would I hide that you couldn't see? Ready or not, you would come for me Ready or not, you would come for me Oh, my soul sings You are faithful, you are faithful to the end. Let my heart sing because you know me 
And you love me to the end. Oh, my soul sings, you are faithful, you are faithful to the end. Let my heart sing, because you know me, and you love me to the end. seated. Again, thank you for joining us in worship this morning, and I hope that you will stick around and, and get in a connection group. Uh, we're talking about uh, that our worship is, is more than just an experience that we have at a certain time and place, and connection groups is just an extension of worship and helps you get connected to people and God's Word so that you can carry this on beyond just a Sunday. And we also have that opportunity on Wednesday nights with all that we have, we have prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. We have CDP courses. There's stuff for all ages, preschool, children, students. And uh, that's, again, another opportunity for this to extend beyond Sunday. You know, we're trying to make Sunday stick and uh, so that we can live this out uh, with honesty and integrity as we go about our lives. So I uh, want to encourage you to do that. There's lots of other stuff coming up. You can check your worship bulletin there and see what's happening in the coming days at our church. So let's pray and we'll de be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for this time that we could gather, God. Uh, we bring our worship to you, uh, and we, we sing praises to you, God. But help it, uh, help, we ask that 
we humbly submit and ask that you would just make the appropriate changes and adjustments, the fine tunings, whatever it may need to be in our lives so we can fall in step with you, God. We thank you for your love for us, that even when we fail you, even when we uh, don't get it right, that you love us still and bring us back in repentance, God. So just uh, God, our, our, uh, our days, uh, God, our hearts as we seek you and we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.